Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week, we review our clashes against Adelaide and Western Sydney. Mariners head coach Alan Stajic joins us for a chat and we answer your questions. I'm Pete and I'm joined by Luke, Josh and Morrow. Send strepsils, please, fellas. Please. <laughs> Struggling. Hello. Voice is on Struggle Street. How are you guys doing? Bit of croak happening. <laughs> Two days after, and I, I feel like we need to do a pre-warning that there might be some throat clearing on, uh, <laughs> in the background throughout this. <clears throat> was, one. Uh, was a bit of a loud one. Josh, you're making a return this afternoon, subbing in for Jimmy. How you been? Very Where good. have you been? Very good, thank you. Uh, started a new job, and because we record at five o'clock and I don't finish until 5.30. I've had to miss the last few pods, but um, I've been able to uh, get my way over here and I've missed you guys and missed being on the pod. So um, thanks for having me back. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll do ya. All right. (laughs) Yeah, sorry to the 500 or so listeners that didn't want me back, but sorry. Yeah, the listenership seemed to have jumped actually to about in the last few weeks. It went up because I wasn't on. Look, I'm not saying you're the common denominator, but uh, if we have anything less than a thousand this week, Josh, uh, sorry, it's your last appearance. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, just to just to take take this off me for a second, eighteen hundred listens for the pod is absolutely friggin' awesome. So well done, guys. Long may it continue. Let's dive right into Fred's question. Fred this week says, I love being in Bay sixteen at home games. But there is something about away games that just lifts active support up a level. Have we seen a turnaround in active support? And will this be something that we will continue to see going forward? Yeah, I feel like we're building on it each week. Um, there is, you are right though, there is, there is something about away days that gets everybody uh, on the same page. And I think it's pretty simple what it is, is that the fact that you're all in the same spot. So it's a lot, <laughs> yep. it's a lot easier to get uh, everybody involved. Um, the people that are there, you know, not not sort of obviously discounting people that can't make the game, but everyone that's there is probably a diehard that's going to make that away trip on a Tuesday night down to Western Sydney. So people are just more likely to get involved, I think. And yeah, Tuesday night was awesome. It was lots of fun. And hell, hell yeah for the roof. The roof helps tremendously. Every every time it, Wollongong was the exact same and. Western Sydney away was the same as the roof is the common denominator for the noise to uh, sort of reverberate around the ground and make us really loud. We may need to expand the podcast's GoFundMe to include a roof. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go from whatever it is to about 40, 50k, <laughs> just over Bay 16. would be nice. It's a bit of a siege mentality. We go mm, away and that, we that too, you know, yeah. we hang together and we, we support our team together and and um, it's good to, for everyone to get involved. But, but on the second part of that question to, about um, seeing turnarounds in da-da-da-da-da there, uh, I reckon I nearly saw one on the previous game, the Adelaide game, when those moments when Alou scored that goal have not been seen for quite a long time. Where that was he, the ultimate scenes. That was. that. If you missed that, then I'm sorry for you because you missed out. But that's why we pay the price of admission because that was just to die for, to see all those fans racing to the fence to enjoy that moment with him, brought back memories of as has been shown by some other people of previous occasions where we've enjoyed celebrating together. I was and about to say, uh, when was the last time we had a player score at home and jump the fence towards 
day 16. I can't even... Simo did it um, in the 3-2 Melbourne victory game last season, but he didn't run to Bay 16. He jumped the well, advertising hoardings. Did a bit of a run, And ran, yeah. ran straight in front of Bay 16. But, yeah, um, yeah no, those those were the scenesiest scenes I'd ever seen. And uh, <laughs> I had the biggest sense of FOMO from the box on the sideline. Sure oh, mate. You were down pretty quick at uh, full, full time, time to get into the bay <laughs> let's be honest world record Sprint. time yeah. did the uh, yeah did the post game wrap up and i was i was out of there like a shot and it was kind of funny because um on tuesday night um obviously you know i'm not working at the game so i can have a few beers and, and you know get back in amongst it with the active and um one of the club staff said to me at halftime oh it looks like we've lost our ground announcer i'm like what do you mean and she goes oh you're right in your element there you know you, you love being in amongst it i'm like you know what just give me a roving mic give me a hot mic for bay 16 and we'll Yep. Just do it from there. You won't hear any swearing <laughs> at all. No abuse. Everyone on their best behaviour. Everyone on good behaviour. Very, yeah. very professional. Yeah, it's just like a giant megaphone really, isn't it? The stadium PA, so you know, yep. it'll work. Perfect. <laughs> An encouraging part was that I think that there was a lot of um, extras there, if you like. So there's been a, a band of you guys who have carried the um, can for a long time in terms of the active starting and so forth, but there's a band of extras now that are joining in, getting down the front, banging on fences, making atmosphere. I don't think the sign makers actually the sign makers would be loving it because they'll have to make some new ones I think I definitely think they lost a sign in that goal celebration yeah the Surely. McDonald's, the yeah. McDonald's sign the Macca's sign yeah, yeah got Macca's went down yeah. Yeah. something and long may that continue flew up in the air and yeah it was going off um, yeah so so yeah just going back Something to has changed. that Adelaide game, I think I think it was Luke or it was one of you guys that pointed out one of the photos where the boys at the bottom of Basic Scene had picked up the ball kid and he yeah. was standing on the fence and they were holding him up and the ball kid had like the biggest smile on his face. The ball boy that's, was, that was... So, that was so good to see. Yeah, the ball boy was uh, kidnapped by the academy kids down the front and he was uh, up on the fence in full studs, which is impressive because yeah. it's hard to stand <laughs> on the fence in bloody normal shoes. So... Mm. Yeah, there was there was a lot of things from that night, uh, and some really good photos as well to come out of it. And yeah, haven't seen, like you said, haven't seen scenes like that for a long time. So. To answer, I guess the last part of that question, um, will this be something that we will see going forward? It depends on, in a big way, it depends on results. You know, if we keep getting yeah. results, then yes, numbers will keep building. Um, people want to get behind a successful winning team. Um, but it also depends on, you know, everyone that listens to the podcast, everyone that goes to games, um, every single person who is, you know, even a half-hearted supporter of the Mariners, to now is the time. You know, if you used to be involved with active support or you've never been involved, um, get down there. Get to Bay 16 because it's it's some of the best fun that you can have. Yeah, It's the best way to watch football by far. We only bite biased, if your name's Robbie Cruz. <laughs> Other than that, we don't bite. Speaking of uh, Bay 16 and the scenes that we saw last Thursday at Central Coast Stadium or Blue Tongue Stadium as I've written here in front of me uh, was of course Throwback. a 2-1 two uh, come from behind win against, uh, against the Divers um, or Stephen Mork <laughs> FC. <laughs> <laughs> um, two missed pens in this one as well. Uh, Simo missing one in the first half before uh, Ollie stepping up and uh, having his one saved as well in the second half. This was mm. shaping up to being one of those nights. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I said this to you, how in the bay, I didn't feel confident with either penalty. Neither did I. I don't know I what it was. It was just a weird feeling. I, yeah, I don't know what it was. Yeah. When Simo stepped up, I thought, mm, Gachi's going to save this. And, I mean, to be fair to the kid, he's been on fire for Adelaide since he's come into the side. Yep. Could have been our number two. He was here in our academy. Didn't get much game time. He's, he's, he is from Adelaide. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, yep. Um, yeah, not sure what happened there and sort of how he ended up back there. But one that, you know, potentially got away. Um, from us, but 
has obviously shown how good of a goalkeeper he is. Um, both pens, I mean, Simo's was straight down the guts. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good save, sticking out his leg. Um, good sort of reactions. The, the Bazanic one, he's just guessed the right way. And it was, it was a great height It was at a good him. height for yeah. him. It wasn't the best one. But, yeah, even when they both stepped up, I thought, we're going to miss these. Yeah, but then you, you talk about him saving two pens, but then he was at fault for our winning goal where Nizzy nicked the ball off him and yeah. squared it to Kowal for a tap-in from two yards out, which was uh, the source of all the scenes. It's a tough life to be a goalkeeper, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you have that sort of a night, similar to Liam Reddy <laughs> in yeah, the last game night. last night. Uh, you have that sort of a night, and then you end up uh, at fault for the winner. So, Full credit to, uh, to Ollie... Uh, to be able to pick himself up and, and score an absolute scorcher from the edge of the area as well, dropping the shoulder, beating three players and um, slotting that away very nicely in the bottom left corner there, Gauchi, with uh, very little chance of getting there. On his yeah. non-preferred foot as well. Mm. Mm. I'd say that sums up Ollie's contribution to the team, actually, and uh, he had to be smarting after missing, or not missing, but having that penalty saved in those circumstances. So, so yeah, Pete, I reckon that one-two stuff you're talking about started back down near his own box. Yeah. And he then, fair dinkum, runs virtually length of the field in the movement um, to um, beat the last couple of players and to... Um, Tuck that one away Because mm, so. it was on the counter Wasn't it And we nearly stuffed it up Yeah uh, But But this yeah. is what you need From your captain in a team I was about to uh, say Needs it's that a, kind of leadership There's There's uh, There's the saying There's the saying in cricket That it's a captain's knock That was a captain's goal Big time Because that was just Sort of a uh, Elite mentality You know He's already missed a pen You could easily well, it easily sort of blame him for going into his sort of shell a little bit and going, oh, shit, and there's the old sort of Mariners mentality from the last few years creeping back in, but because he hasn't been a part of that and because of his experience overseas now, that's mm. exactly what that was. And it dents them and it allows um, Alou and um, Nisi to actually have a real impact and put a dent in, in Adelaide further. So, yeah, really enjoyed that and that was a really crucial moment in the game. Um, He's been maybe the not the most enjoyable, think, but crucial. I think Ollie's been the signing of the season, full stop, not just us, but the entire league. I think he's he keeps probably been the best player in the league. Argue. Yeah, keeps on impressing. Very hard to argue. Of course, it was Nizzy and Allo that came on in the 64th minute, arguably changed the game because it was only about uh, seven or eight minutes later that uh, Ollie scored the first one there before Nizzy and Allo combined four minutes later in the 76th minute uh, to uh, go around Gauchi and uh, put us ahead. My God, I wanted Nizzy to score that so badly. And I was like, no, when he, when he was passing it, it was like, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. In but that, yeah, in he that, made the right in decision. In that split moment, I thought he stuffed it. Mm. I thought he was either going to hit it with his left or, yeah, the the pass would somehow sort of delay things enough for someone to get back and get in the way. Um, but, I mean, how good is Niz? We keep on talking yeah. about it. But every time he comes on, he changes the game. It's it's Sheer class. so good to watch. I'm going to freak out classy, when he scores. Classy player. He's oh. going to score. I'm going to hold it to him. He's deserved <laughs> one for so long. He's not a goal scorer, but it's coming. It is coming. I'm going to do a backflip when he scores. Opposition. I'm holding you to that. That is on record. I will break my neck. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like opposition defenders don't know how to how to deal with him. They can't cope with it. No, well, I think someone mentioned, you know, like his acceleration from a starting point because of his height, I guess. And he's 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 not short and not sort of muscly. He's short and muscly. <laughs> so like he's just got this weird sort of unassuming speed mm. sort of from the takeoff and nobody expected it. I mean, if you watch back the replay, even half of our players had started walking. I think Clisby's in the frame when the ball starts 
to roll to Gauchi, Clisby's almost sprinting back to halfway, thinking, oh, shit, here they are on the counter. Mm. And then next thing we know, Dizzy's got the ball. So um, He did I mean, really yeah. well to keep it in as well. Yeah, he it did. was just that yeah. it was his touch. The close control that, touch, the the close close control control that he has is just insane. And just to talk about the substitutes thing, and we talk about it elsewhere in this particular pod, we make another set of substitutes who come on and actually make the change that wins us the game or mm. collect us the goal that wins us the game. We earlier in the season had the one where the first sub on Yonata turns the ball over, passes it to the second mm. substitute, Kowal passes it to the third, Hatch scores with his first touch in the A-League. This is the kind of inspired substitution work that we're doing on the bench. I don't know exactly how we're coming up with these things. We try to touch on that in the stage interview. Um, but, yeah, inspired substitutions. Which is a weird feeling because how not inspired have we been the last four or five years when <laughs> we're about to make a sub whoever's coming off the bench we're like oh shit more of the same <laughs> well the game's not really going to change but now every time we make a sub i get excited yeah well, and, it, and it works it's working mm. every game mm. Mm. because we have so many players that are coming off the bench that have different dynamics i guess to the, to the 11 that that start on the pitch you know um nizzy offers something so different to to dan bauman or casella um qual offers something so different to to urania or, or simo um and Yonotto again offers something really different to any of our wide players as well so um, I think that that maybe throws the opposition off, or it's um, it's great to see to have to have that sort of depth once again. Do we have to give a shout out to the five sub rule coming in? Is that uh, that's again, probably helps? So. Yeah, why not? But I mean, if you look across the league, though, I think our subs arguably making the making most the impact. Most, yep. Maybe Surely. besides the Wanderers, which we'll get to. But um, I think our subs are definitely having the most impact off the bench. I mean, if you think maybe Western United's maybe only. The only other recession maybe with Diamante coming off the bench, he's mm. changed the game for them a few times mm. in the last couple of weeks massively. Yep. But I think overall, every sub that we bring on is making an impact. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Let's have a, uh, a look at Tuesday night's game against uh, the Wanderers down there at Bankwest Stadium. Um, as we said earlier, a really, really good travelling contingent down there. Pretty well outsung what was left of the RBB for the entire 90 minutes. What's going on there? They've just wasted mm. away the RBB. Mm. Which, yeah. I mean, you can we can talk shit about them all we want, but it's a shame because, I mean, when they were at Parramatta and they had that full end packed, mm. it was like insane that but like they'd have like, six bays full yeah that's like peak sort of european style support and i love that shit and we were speaking about it uh in the car on the way down to the game actually the game that uh they essentially won the plate uh in the first season that which was then blue tongue which i think so your headline's not completely wrong but <laughs> um when they came that night they had six full bays like three at the mm. bottom three at the top yep. and there was was there 19 there that night 18 19,000 yeah it was about yeah I think it was pouring in the pouring rain like that that night was insane and that was because we had a pretty full bay mm. and they had six full bays mm. like crazy stuff so I know there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the league since then but it is a shame to see it um so small yeah we were meant we were sort of talking about it five minutes before kickoff and and, and there were uh, they were a shell of what they were. Um, I genuinely think we had more people in our bay mm. than what they did. It, it, it looks more compressed because they all probably stand a bit closer together. But I reckon if you if you if you counted up all of our away fans, mm. we probably had more than the RBB, which 
never would have seen not, that not in years gone by no. no i mean we haven't we haven't been that loud down there in particular since 2014 the semi-final mm. down there when we um we were under phil moss at the time and i think we went down one nil or two one in that game but um yeah just absolute scenes in the active support probably so our loud. best night probably our best night since then maybe yeah, I'd go as far as, as to an say away that. day. Yeah, oh yeah, I'd go as far as because we that. don't get those numbers at Sydney. We don't really get it at Newcastle for whatever no. reason, because maybe because it's a shithole. But um, <laughs> Fair, I definitely. mean, yeah, I think I I don't know what it is, but I, there, there is this weird sort of rivalry thing there with the Wanderers that I think has sort of been under the surface, obviously since the grand final, mm. because they. <laughs> want to try and get one sort of back on us and you know our results against them aren't great mm. and i said that on the way home with more colorful language that like why can't we beat these pricks <laughs> like we just struggle for whatever reason every time we play them for some reason i think in the in the 28 times we've played them they've won 14 there's been eight draws i think and we've won six and i assume one of those includes the grand final so we won the most important the one. The one that matters, Correct. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Correct. So I don't know what it is, but they are kind of our bogey side and then there is this thing that sort of there is this rivalry there with them that is good. So, But can we please beat them for fuck's sake? Can I extend crowd con- controversy or concerns outside the RBB or whoever those people were up at the far end of the ground? Because I thought they were telling a... Pr- I mean, we're used to tall stories about attendances at football matches, but that story... That was the skyscraper of all skyscrapers. 10,000 people were in that stadium, apparently. When that number went up on the screen, I looked around and went, are you sure? (laughs) That's a Mariners crowd fudge from the last few seasons. They had had a lot of toilets there, but three or 4,000 in the toilets? I don't think so. No. No. And we we had to walk halfway around the buddy stadium just to go to a bottle of water because there was nothing open. All the bars were closed. Exactly. You guys must have gone a long way. I only had to go a few bars Did you go up the top and right? Uh, left <laughs> VIP I mean, left yeah, we went Where left. did you go? He went Hang over with the VIPs Favouring treatment Us clubs weren't allowed yeah. <laughs> We were in like aisle 103 <laughs> And like the nearest bar open was like 120 or something Ages it was, away yeah, yeah it was like a five minute walk away I thought it was only 111 But there you go I don't know But it is a good stadium Yeah oh, it's it a, is, uh, That was my first stadium's time Stadium's good It is Amy Park levels Less good it's yeah. it's even it's so ridiculously steep as well when you're yeah. sitting in that second tier. I went to a Sydney derby there a couple of years ago now, and or not long after it opened, and uh, it feels like you're right on top of the pitch, no matter where you are in the stadium. That's what you want. I think it's a proper European style football stadium, which is why yeah. I think we like it because yeah. it's got the roof, it's got like the looking down on the pitch. You know, it's got that those sort of vibes to it. Was 30k um, capacity, so. Yeah, I think I think that and Amy Park's probably the two best stadiums in the league, in my opinion. On to the game itself. Of course, it did finish two all in the end. It was uh, Simo who opened the scoring with a delicious little chip uh, over who was in goals for the Magush, was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I hope Magush watches his interview back from the day before, where he said that he knew how we were going to play and we're not very technical, <laughs> and we're just going to push them around. Cop that fucking dink. You dickhead, all right? Straight <laughs> over him. No idea. He might want some salt for of, his chip there. From, from all people as well. From all people, the dink from Simo. That I run mean, and from Urania and the pass was yeah. just absolutely inch perfect. I yeah. think it was, um, I think Stadge mentioned it, uh, or mentions it when we speak to him in the future. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, it was sort of 10 or 11 passes in the lead up to that as well before Ureña slips him through. What a ball. Oh, my days. So good. Such seeing good. that more and more from Ureña this season yeah. as well. Was that our, was that our best joy. goal that we scored this season, do you think? Have to be up there. In terms of when you factor in the possession and then the finish, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like to finish that off with a dink. Yeah. It was, it was that. It was like a, it was almost like a bit of like showboating, obviously. It's like you look at what we can do now. It's like Urania just making that, that direct run and slipping Simo through. And then the finish. Mm. Simo is like Lovely. a, he's drinking from the fountain of youth this season. Like, yeah. He's, he's been absolute, great. That's an absolute peak cow right yeah. there. He's is been it? Taking, no? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's been listening to the podcast. <laughs> I think maybe Simo has been taking lessons from Messi. Is there something going on there? No, he's been, give, he's been, giving, he's been, he's been giving Messi been lessons. lessons. <laughs> well, it has, cl- it has caused Fox to focus uh, in on uh, Simo's quality as mm. opposed to his, you know, brawn and noted um, starchiness. So, mm. And it's been there. That's the thing. That bring down over in Perth and the finish with the wrong foot from memory. Uh, this one, great finish. Um, keeps doing it. And this is why... Urania's so good right now because he's he might not be might not be picking up the goals every week, but this is this is this is the sort of stuff that that he can do that we need to keep on feeding off because I mean he's clearly got the quality. Some of his little touches in and around the box, little flicks, that ball, perfect, mm. perfect stuff. Which is like it's just not what we've had in the previous years. Him and Simo seem to really be on the same wavelength, um, and I think you know obviously they're getting. Pretty bulk minutes together at the moment. Um, that could have a big part to play, but they they kicked off their partnership really quickly and seemed to mm. really just click straight away. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's a tough one because we do float the question in the future, maybe to Stadge um, <laughs> about you know the substitutes and wanting to see certain people play together, and you know it is a we all want to see the obvious that everybody's raising, uh, but it is a case of. You know, it's not completely broke, even though some of the results we've picked up recently have been a bit frustrating, which that's sort of how I walked away from this game. I was relieved, but also very frustrated because I don't think the Wanderers are very good. Mm. They, as a lot of people have been alluding to since the game, I don't know what style they're trying to play. I don't know what the game plan is. They have a weird formation that I don't like. I don't like Ziggy. So <laughs> it's, it's, I like, uh, it just, it was very frustrating because... You look at the stats, everything was all sort of pretty even, but surely we had the clearer cut of the chances. Definitely. And speaking of those changes that uh, that do get made, of course, it was Allo that came off the bench and uh, and won the penalty in the end there, which uh, Ollie dispatched with aplomb to get the equaliser in the 83rd minute. I think that showed captain material again, you know, stepped up, you know, missed a penalty last week and said, you know, I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm going to take it this week and smashed it down the middle and... Got us a pretty deserved point when we probably should have had two more. Wasn't the most beautiful pen. Oh, was, I've I was ever about seen. to say that. that. Sort of, you know, it got watching in it there. back. Watching it back, I was like, "Ooh, that, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. the best." Yeah, I, th- I think he. Had, I'm not sure if he breathed in the 60 seconds before that, but neither um, did I. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully he. Not that he needs to learn this, but maybe he took on board what happened in the Adelaide game, where, uh, you know, he Placed obviously, it. yeah, he obviously sort of. Gets the side, and then Gatchy obviously goes the right way. Whereas I'm thinking, thinking in this one, he waited until he knew where Magush was going to go, and then just slots it. I think, it, yeah, if you look, lots of where it needed to go. If you so. look at the Adelaide game, it seems like he opened his body up a lot earlier as well. Yeah, and gave gave Gauchy every gave indication, yeah, where yeah. it was going. So, yeah, but I mean the the two goals that we conceded in really quick concession were, uh, you know, the 
first one was mm. good, well constructed. We got it was a good of, same goal. Yeah, we did definitely get uh, torn apart. Clisby's side. Yeah, Clisby, Clisby comes right in, uh, leaves to Silva to uh, to mark whoever it was that put in the cross for the Wanderers, and just too much ball watching. And it was a good goal. So you know, um, really good sort of I guess you call it a secondary assist from Mitchell Duke. It was a really good ball out wide, the perfect ball. Nice finish. And I think I said it I don't know if I said it last week or the week before on the podcast, uh, that Bruce Kamau, every time he's come off the bench for the Wanderers, has completely changed the game for them. And he did the exact same thing. Mm. Second goal had a little bit of, you know, luck there. I think Beers went for the original placement of the shot and then couldn't recover after the deflection. So they got a little bit lucky, but yeah. They deserve the first one for sure. Two two points dropped, do you think? Yeah. Looking at the chances, yeah. I mean, you look at the Bowman chance in the first half, essentially on one-on-one. Clisby's. The free header. In Gianni. the second half. Gianni's, which then leads straight to the second goal. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, three guilt-said chances. Could have been 3-0 at half-time and then could have been 4-0, 4-1. Mm. If we score the Gianni chance, so and there were other chances. Bowman had a header in the uh, second mm. half. Aranya had a cracking shot from the edge of the box that mm. stung the palms of Margush. There was a, you know, we were the better side in terms of the mm. best chances. Yeah, we just unfortunately didn't put them in the net. I so, I still think that there's going to be a game where all of those chances go in and we properly smack someone. Victory He's had me again. Oh He's really? Again. Another He's how? Done it again. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said that last time. <laughs> be nice, be nice to do that to victory down there because it's been it's been a hot minute since it's we got a win minute. down there. So. <laughs> it's been a minute. But what do we think about the Alo? Was it a pen? Because it's yeah, pretty absolutely. obvious. Yeah. pretty absolutely. obvious to like, me. Alo gets a foot to the ball, and um, who was it that made the foul? Backus. It was Backus. Yeah, he's just gone straight through his leg, and yes, he was in the air. Yeah. Um, it's 100% pen. Yeah. And this is Carl Robinson's coming out after the game and said, "I'm embarrassed by the VAR. That's never a pen." He's a, if, he's a dickhead. If, 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 if the shoe was on the other foot, <laughs> if the shoe was on the other foot, he would have said 100% pen. Of course. And the Wanderers fans would have been the exact same. All the Wanderers fans were salty about it. But if that happened for them, they would have said 100% pen. There seems to be this rule that the Wanderers fans have sort of made up that if you come in from the blind side and, you know, I don't know you're there, then I smack you that I can't win a pen. How does that work? Wanderers no. fans coming from the blind side and smacking people? That's oh, shocking. <laughs> <It ain't> so. <laughs> Sydney has entered the no, chat. No. Yeah. Listen, Carl Robinson, he is embarrassing. Forget about embarrassment. Yes. And he's his embarrassing. And his yeah. assistant. It's yes. like, it's oh, just and, two and annoying people. He was like, even being mocked by Brenton Speed. Said. He was being mocked by Brenton Speed in the coverage who, really? actu- yeah, who actually said, well, I'm pretty sure that Carl Robinson has complained about every single penalty that he's had. <laughs> 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 Got him, and and I'm pretty sure he has. But the thing is, though, that we've introduced this new beef, right? The beef has nothing to do with whether it is or it isn't a penalty. He's been relieved of having to worry whether it is or it isn't a penalty. All he has to worry about is whether or not it's clear and obvious now, see? Because the referee didn't pick it up, so he doesn't have to. It, even if it is a pen, he's okay. He's right. He's right because the the VAR should never have referred it because it wasn't clear and obvious. And that's what his beef is. And that's what we've introduced in the game of VAR. That now we're going to have a debate about what clear and obvious means instead of... Yeah. Well, the same goes, I mean, you know, and if we're going to be consistent, we probably have to talk about it. The the one near the end with Boz, uh, was it on Kamau? On Kamau, who yeah. sort of pushed him in the back and Kamau yeah. stayed on his feet. I mean, to be honest... If I take off my yellow and blue glasses, we've maybe got away with it. 
a bit. But I think the more important thing there is that probably Kamau should be commended for not falling over. Yeah. Because that's what we want to see. And from the word from the word for the whole season is that things need to be it needs to be there to be to be a penalty. Right? Like it, it needs it can't just be something sort of very soft or mm. it, it needs it needs to be obvious. For me, the Aloy one is pretty obvious. Aloy gets the ball first, he gets kicked and then he goes over. The one with the Boz one, the the ball isn't really near isn't really near Kamau when the contact is made. Mm. It's yes. The ball's he, like away. Yeah. And he doesn't go over, which he should be commended for because we've seen a lot of that shit from a certain other red team this season. Stephen Malk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stephen. Oh. <laughs> Write that in your diary. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that one's not as clear and obvious, I don't think, and he should be commended for that because um, I think if he does go over and make a bit more of a meal of it, it either gets given straight away or it gets looked at. Yeah. Not every touch is a pen. And That's I, right. And yeah. I think that one was, that was soft. You might say that the LA one was soft as well, but, you know... Yeah, I suppose examples. Um, Niz, just before he feeds the ball to Alou for the goal against Adelaide, pretty sure that he would have come in contact with Joe Gorky. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's no pen. You've yeah. been listening to the ground announcement. Joe Gorky. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Gorky. <laughs> I think the people in Bay 40 thought I was insane when I was going, yes, yes, before the game had even started. <laughs> so little victories. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, no, no pen. No pen. Too soft. Fair enough. Good guy, Kurt Ames. Thank you. Thanks, Kurt. Kurt Ames, my favourite man now. Just quickly favorite going guy. just quickly going off our game. Did you did you watch the game last night and that when Retray went through Armiento? That was how was that pen. not a pen? Clear as day. That was the most clear pen I think I've ever seen. And it was just way like off. I don't get it. That game was really just peak A League though. There was the, yeah. the, the the pen no pen that wasn't given. There was uh, Rubbish finishing, yeah. ready. superb goalkeeping, then peak ready, and then the lights going. The out. lights go off, <laughs> and then they turn the lights off on everybody trying to leave the stadium. Yeah. Did lightning actually great. strike one of the posts? Was apparently that? so. Apparently. Vince Rigari came out on Twitter earlier today and said that yeah, there was a lightning strike on top of one of the light towers. But you would have heard that come across the broadcast. There's no way there was a lightning strike. Mm. No way. It's old mate Kenny from the council who's forgot to come down and reprogram <laughs> the light timers. Yeah. The, 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 game, the game got delayed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no way. That's a Did you out. not see Boz's weather update? Because you would have known that if the lightning <laughs> is 9.1 kilometres away and at a 45 degree angle, the game needs to be called off. Now. Well, well, yeah, well, more to the point, yeah, there's no way that Fox would have had player interviews and coach interviews on, on the pitch post-game yeah. if lightning had actually struck, so. Yeah, and that's what Richard Garcia was blown up about. Yeah, that, right. that photo of him in the presser, that, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when oh, the coke hits. Yeah. At, least it didn't happen, <laughs> at least it didn't happen at Gosford because nobody wants to see a fried Osprey. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, dear. So joining us this week on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, we have Mariners head coach, Alan Stachich. How are you going, Alan? Good boys, how are you? Yeah, really well, mate. Really, really well. We'll, um, we'll kick things off with a couple of quick-fire questions. Uh, firstly, we might have asked you this before, but just to ensure consistency, your, um, your sauce, mate, in the fridge or the cupboard? Fridge. Oh, no. 
That's a shame, but uh, all right, we'll, we'll move on, see if you can well, redeem it's, yourself it's, with, uh, with, the next, uh, with the next question I'll here. Just... Who's better, Lionel Messi or Matt Simon? Oh, it's touch and go at the moment. <laughs> true. Well, that is true. We're going to have to so press you for an answer, yeah, Stadge. Touch and go. No, nah, no, nah, touch and go. <laughs> oh, that's the longest response all season. <laughs> all the other boys have been pretty quick. Um, so maybe a little bit frustrated, but also kind of relieved, uh, I guess, was how a lot of people uh, probably felt after the game the other night. Now that you've had a couple of nights to sleep on it, uh, what was your sort of overall feeling? Yeah, look, uh, we, we, we had our uh, first session back today and, and to me the, the processes of the game were, were really good uh, in terms of a lot of the things we did with the ball and without the ball. Uh, there was obviously, you know, in a football match when, when you don't put a game to bed, anything can happen and can sometimes happen very quickly and, you know, I, I try not to get blinded by moments, uh, even though they obviously decide matches and can decide results as well but you know I think for a large portion of the match we, we were pretty good against you know a pretty a pretty good squad to be honest there's so much depth in their squad so much quality in their squad so many more resources available at their disposal both on and off the pitch and for us to probably not even match and for us to outplay them for a large portion of the match and and really should have won the match um, on all balance um, you know it was still pretty pleasing and, and that's the main thing that I take away from it you know obviously there's a lot of learning to take away and, and for me the last 10 minutes is probably the, the biggest moment of, of a match in the last few weeks where we've got a, a crucial part of the jigsaw that we have to improve in the future. Yeah, you just touched on it there, but I think the, the stats from Tuesday were pretty even. Possession was 50-50, shots were pretty close, shots on target, but as you just mentioned, it felt like we definitely had the better chances and spurned a few pretty guilt-edged chances, including a free header from the corner. Uh, looking at the victory game as well, we might have we missed a few chances in that one. Is it sort of becoming a concern now that maybe we're not making the most of our clear cut chances? Uh, no, not really. Look, uh, shots on goal is pretty even, but you know, Trelisi hitting five shots from thirty meters out. There, look, we could shoot from anywhere if you just want to build your shot to tally up. But it's more about how you create the chance and how you create the opportunity and the quality of the chance for me, rather than just a shot on goal and the chances we created. I thought were well crafted. Um, I thought our first goal was excellent, you know, 10, 11 passes and, and to cut them apart like we did, I thought was world-class. And, you know, from their perspective, I thought their first goal was well-crafted as well and, and, and did a similar thing to us. They cut us apart in that moment as well. But, yeah, look, I thought our chances were much more clearer than theirs, um, you know, and, and given the scoreline at each moment, we could have put the game to bed when we were 1-0 up and those two or three chances at the end of the first half and the two or three in the second half before they even got... You know, footing the game, we, we really could have been out of sight. So, you know, they're the things that really give me a lot of confidence. And, and the fact that we just mentioned how many chances we created against Victory, against Adelaide, against Wanderers, just gives me even more confidence that, that we can keep this role going all the way to the end of the year. Because for me, apart from Melbourne City, we really have dominated all our matches in, in recent times. In fact, pretty much every game this year except Melbourne City away. So you mentioned, Stadge, that there has been uh, some moments in that, say, that last 10 minutes where um, maybe there's some concerns there when we gave the ball away and we didn't need to um, and um, where we might have um, been more comfortable if we kept a hold of the ball. Um, what are your thoughts about that that late-in-the-game um, challenge of, um, of trying to eke out the result? Yeah, look, I just... Oh, I don't know what it is. You can never put your exact exact finger on all, all the different elements that, that go towards an action in a game or a decision in the game. But but when you put them all together from probably the 85th minute to the 96th minute, I, I think we were erratic. I think we were a little bit frantic. 
Um, I'm not sure if it's because we were really pushing for the winner or there's a little bit of nerves and pressure or or combination of all those things. Um, you know, it's too hard to just point it at one thing, but but certainly we did lose a little bit of control. But they had a few chances in that period, but so did we. But I just didn't like how how open and transitional the game became. Um, and I, and I think that that's something that we have to learn as we move along because. And every week that we move closer to finals and every every game that gets closer towards the end of the year, there's just a little bit more added pressure in terms of the result, in terms of the performance and in terms of those things. So something that this young and, and for the most part inexperienced group is going to have to grow and evolve with quickly. I mean, obviously everyone wants to be doing well and, and top of the table, but um, I guess given the last couple of seasons, did you ever really imagine that we'd be top of the table at the halfway point of the season? Look, we set a goal, and, and I said it after the MacArthur game, that we wanted to get in the Champions League, uh, which which at that point meant top two and, and maybe even third spot. Um, at, at that point, until the rules became more clear as to who was going to qualify for Asia, so I thought that I thought after pre-season that that was a realistic goal for us. Uh, we had a really good pre-season where, where it didn't matter who we played. We played four or five A-League teams, and and we were really competitive in all of them. And, and I just thought if things could click, if we got some form, if we got some confidence and, and that magical word, if we got some belief, that we really could compete with all, all the big teams. And, you know, it panned out that way. And you never know how it's going to go. You never know. You know. I'd like to sit back now and say, yeah, I knew we were going to be first and, you know, I'd be lying. But, you know, I, I did see the ingredients there where we could have a much more competitive season than we had in the last five or six. Did you feel under pressure that you had to sort of turn things around uh, after last season or was there sort of a message from the club in the off-season that, you know, you, you sort of had the time to build your own squad to, and to make sort of an impact? Yeah, look, uh, there's pressure on every game, um, but I don't feel that pressure, to be honest. The pressure is on trying to put on the best week of training that you can, trying to put on the best training session you can, trying to use every moment you can to make everyone in the group that little bit better and whether it's as an individual or as a team, you know, cohesively. So that's really the pressure that I feel. Um, by the time it gets to match day and the competition, if you haven't done all the work, then that's when you really feel pressure because you know you're underdone. But I feel like with the small and limited resources that we have and the small and, and limited but high quality and, and high effort staff that we have, I knew that we how much work we'd put in. Uh, and I know that everyone says that, but so we really do have one of the most hardworking, loyal, um, you know, high-quality staff that anyone could ever ask for. And the amount of work we all put in together with a playing group was, was just enormous. And, and to have that unity and strength, and, and I guess that builds a lot of resilience as well, the fact that you know you know how much you have to punch above your own weight just to be competitive has, has really unified us as a group. And, and again, if you put all those ingredients together and, and catch a little bit of fire, I knew that we, we would get that confidence and belief, you know, as it comes in sport when you start winning and, and that's the point that we're at today. So you just mentioned then as well about the hard work in the pre-season, which we've heard a lot um, sort of sort of that's, you know, that's sort of been the message from the club. Um, I think when a lot of people hear that, they just maybe have it in their heads, you know, we just did, you know, sort of plenty of laps around the pitch or whatever just to get really, you know, sort of fit for the games or whatever. But there surely has to be more, more to it than that. Um, can you talk us through about, you know, sort of maybe some of the, mental stuff that we've done or like the tactical work or because I mean I think the message from everyone is that no one can believe the transformation from last season to this season. Yeah look it's a little bit of everything to be honest to just say it's one thing it'd be to say we just did laps or, or running it'd be false to say we just did leadership stuff it'd be false to say we just did technical stuff it'd be false like it's obviously a collection of, of, of everything and a combination of everything 
um, and it's a combination of everyone, um, every one of our seven or eight staff members who are there every day and, and every single player who's there. Like, There's no way you can do that on your own. Um, uh, you just got to have that unity of purpose and, and the desire and determination throughout the whole group, and, and that's what we had right from the outset. From the first day of pre-season, uh, we set some goals together as a group. We, we you know, initiated a leadership group, and, and you know, I've said it how many times in interviews and stuff, but we really, we really do have a tremendous leadership group who have grown within their roles within the group, and, and everyone else has been influenced by them and highly influenced in a really positive way to training, to professionalism, and you see that transfer onto the pitch. So, you know, I don't think you can put it down to any one thing, but, but certainly all, all of us in some way have contributed. And, you know, we talk about being the weakest link and, and who wants to be the weakest link um, in pre-season, and no-one wants to be the weakest link. And I think that, you know, within our squad, you can just see how much everyone wants to fight for each other and ensure that we're, we're as strong as we can be. And, and those bonds those bonds are clear to see on the field where everyone's work rate, desire and determination is just there all the time. Uh, we're all willing to fight for each other. Every player will cover every bit of territory they can to, to help themselves, but only not only help themselves, but, but their teammates as well. And you know, They're the kinds of things that we instilled in the group and they instilled in themselves as a leadership group as well. So, you know, they're, they're all the little ingredients and we could talk at nauseam about all the different little, you know, technical elements, but, but for me, those big cultural issues and attitude issues and behavioural issues are first and foremost the most important foundations that, that this team's been built on. And, and that, I think, is a really important point. How are you going with the managing of the different sort of um, personalities and um, perspectives in the team? You've, you've got a young kid who has um, really sort of hit the roof and, and uh, there's something to manage there. You've got uh, internationals who probably want more game time and they're growing in confidence and they're getting fitter. You've got, um, you know, crowd favourites there. You've got to, all of that to manage. How, how's that man management aspect of how are you finding that? Yeah, look, that's always a challenge. Uh, you know, if any coaches, to be truthful, it's, it doesn't matter whether you're winning or losing or anywhere in between. Uh, the management of human beings is always the biggest challenge, and, and that's always there. Um, and, and the good part is that this year it's there in a positive way. Uh, it's there that everyone is fighting for a spot, that everyone does want more game time, uh, that everyone does want to be part of it. Um, and that's really the positive. And, and again, going back to the the behaviours within a group, when, when you see people who are willing to help a teammate, willing to, willing to spend a bit of extra quality time getting a teammate through a particular part of the game, whether it's on the field or off the field, you know how much we all want to help each other and, and the staff included, you know how much we all want to help each other to make ourselves better and you know, that's the part that helps management when we're all there to help each other and you know at the same time we're fighting each other for a spot but we're all there to help each other because we know that the big picture is we want the team to get better and improve and compete uh, like we have. So, look, it's a great mentality within the group. And, again, I can't give enough credit to to the leaders within the group. But, uh, you know, as I've said a lot of times as well already, just in this interview, the staff as well, we've all contributed to just a fantastic environment and culture around the group. So our subs in most of our games this season have come on and, and made a massive impact. Um, the the one sub that we see if we've seen the last few weeks has been Maddie and Marco coming coming off and uh, Nizzy and Kowal going on. Is that sort of a predetermined thing, or do you go with the flow of the game? You know how the, how is the game going? Would you do you change anything, or is it always sort of predetermined before the game? No, look, sometimes there's a, there's a bit of a rough outline of a plan, but every game's a little bit different and unique, and, and you never know how things are going to play out in terms of rhythm of a game, momentum of a game, um, injury management. Um, you know, I think sometimes 
um, when we're watching a game, you guys haven't experienced how hard they've worked in a game or at training and the kind of load that they're carrying into a game. And, you know, this game, for example, was our fourth game in 15 days and, and it's quite easy to forget that. And, and, and you see how hard-working a team we actually are. Um, the Adelaide game, for example, was one of our hardest-working games of the year and the most amount of high-speed metres that we covered um, in the year. So to get through that game was really pleasing. But, you know, just in the back of my mind, I always had how much... How much could some of our players who do the most work repeat their actions in the Wanderers game as well? So, you know, when you see some of the data and then you get a feel for the game and the rhythm for the game, they're all the different sort of factors that, that you're thinking about on match day and who, who can continue to go late in the game and, and who's at injury risk and, and all those different things. So, you know, it'd be nice to just say, yeah, there's a simple plan and this happens on 60 minutes and this happens on 65, but... But even though sometimes there is a little bit of a rough guide in the plan, it's all it's all more about rhythm and momentum and, and right deep down in the back of my head also a little bit of injury prevention. Given that, you know, there's going to be another 10 rounds to go and we've only got eight, eight weeks to play and we've got to be finished by June the 2nd. So, you know, we aren't a squad like Wanderers or, or Melbourne City who are 25 or 30 deep. We've really got... You know, the 20-odd players have been together now for a long time and, and we've relied on on a core starting 11 for a long time as well. So the pleasing part is we have that fitness, we have that determination and, and we've also, touch wood, shown that resilience from injury as well. So, you know, when, when you put all those little pieces together, that, that they're sort of the things that we think about going into each game and in terms of the management of the game as well. Yeah, just building on that last question about the substitutions, I think one of the most popular questions that we've been asked from the fans is, are we going to see Koala and Urania get some game time together? I think a lot of fans are keen to see what they would be able to do maybe late in the game. Yeah, okay, so who are we taking off from all the experts? <laughs> so, yes, so you have to give us what we want, Stage. Those away or... Yeah, yeah, look. Yeah, I don't don't mean, ask like hard questions, Stage. <laughs> <laughs> like who's coming off? The Silver's coming off or Bowman's coming off or, you know, people want Nizzy to play, but then are you taking Johnny out? Are you taking Ollie out? Are you, you know what I mean? Like... We can all put things up as, as alternatives. And look, they're all great, great solutions and options and, and potential things that we have up our sleeve as well. But but um, ultimately, we're on top of the table with a squad that's done unbelievably well um, and exceeded, you know, I think if you're all honest, exceeded everyone's expectations. So, you know, I think we found a good good rhythm. I think we found a good, um, I wouldn't say formula, uh, but I think we found a good sort of consistency within our squad in things that are working and, and not that I stick to any one adage, but, but it ain't really broke. Um, and, and Al has done a fantastic job coming on every game. And the few games that he started earlier on in the year, he, he was dangerous as well. And again, on the weekend, I thought he came on and had a good impact. And so did Nizzy. Um, Bowman, when he's come off the bench, has had a good impact. So, But it, it still more goes back to the mentality and the culture of the group. That regardless of who's come on, regardless of what minute they've come on, uh, for the most part, I, I think if we're all honest, for the most part, 80 to 90% of the time, the people who have come on have, have really changed the game in our favour. Um, whether they've produced a goal or, or a result or not, they've, they've really added added to our team. And that's really, really comes back down to, you know, the progress of the players as, as a playing group and wanting to fight for each other. So speaking of a low, there's been a fair bit written in the media and stuff recently, and I assume you probably can't say too much about it but has has have you spoken to him and had any conversations about him sort of you know to him and his uh, future or um is it is it just uh, all systems go for us 
this season? Yeah, look, everyone's in the same boat. Yeah, look, sorry to cut you off. Everyone's in the same boat uh, a little bit. The, the closer you get to the end of the season, everyone's talking about contracts for next year. I'm not talking about Everyone's thinking about their future and, and where they might end up, whether they're staying at the club, whether they're going to different clubs and all those kinds of things. And, and Allo's a little bit younger, but he, but he's in that same boat. And, and he's had such a such a you know massive impact on, on the team and on the league that, that, of course, is going to be interesting from other clubs, whether that be locally or around the world. And, and we're really pleased that there is interest. I think that's great. And, and when I came to the club, that, that was part of the thing that we wanted to do. We wanted to have a massive connection to our youth team. We wanted to get back to what made the club strong in the first place, giving young players an opportunity to, to train with the first team first and foremost. And then if they earn the spot to be able to play and, and represent our club with pride, and, and hopefully they can move on to bigger and better things at some point. And, and I think we've just started to see the, the first signs of, of that sort of cycle in progress. And, you know, Sammy Silvera didn't quite have the impact over the whole year that Allo has, but it even started a little bit last year with him, and now Allo's continued it on. And, you know, there's so many other kids who have obviously played in our team now who have become household names in the A-League, and, and that's just from the beginning of this process. And, you know, hopefully it lays a good platform and foundation for this process to continue, not, not only to keep a good Mariners first team for the future, but also keep the club you know financially stable for the long term as well so on players and player movements we the question in front of me here is that we saw you having a good chat with bruno fornaroli after the perth game a couple of weeks ago is he someone that you know from years gone by but that's not the question i'm going to ask i'm going to ask is he someone that you're bringing into the team about to say that did you offer him a contract (laughs) (laughs) well i actually went to watch the Perth game uh, last night um oh look what a player um, you know, when we're analysing opponents, he, he's definitely one that has a big red circle around him in terms of trying to trying to nullify his threat and, and, and trying to, you know, do the best job we can on him. He's, he's such a top player and I actually don't know him, um, but I've just spoken to him two or three times after a game and, and Naz, my assistant coach, obviously speaks a bit of Spanish as well and, and um, uh, he's, just a, he's just a gentleman, you know, such a competitor on the field and and cheeky and street smart and, you know, almost that typical Uruguayan type footballer who do whatever he has to to win a game and win a moment. But, um, yeah, look after the game. He's a gentleman. And you can just see the passion and love he has for the game. So, you know, any team that has a player of that calibre would obviously be, be pleased to have him. Just before we uh, we let you go, Stadge, um, we caught up with uh, with Uncle Ken, Ken Shembury, the other week on the pod, um, who mentioned that he actually dropped a young Alan Stajic from one of his uh, rep sides. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? And who was the first one to bring that up when you guys started working together here? <laughs> I think I brought it up. He's not the only one to have cut me, but yeah, like, it was a black down city. And, uh, uh, that black down city, I think I was 16 or 17, and um, I was played in his NYL team at the time, and I think I was 15 or 16 and wasn't getting enough game time, so... I decided to move on to St. George in, in uh, Frank Arrick's apprenticeship scheme and t- spent a year or so over there with him and Richie Allegic and then played for the leader after that. So oh, I had a pretty good, decent upbringing after that. So I can only thank Ken for that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get back. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Alan Stajic, thank you so much once again for taking the time to uh, have a bit of a chat with us on the Ramble this afternoon, mates, and uh, look forward, well, it's a bit of a break till the next game, but um, looking forward to seeing the boys out there again uh, down in Tassie, I think, is the next one. Yeah, Launceston, looking forward to it, and, you know, as always, thanks for your support on match day, you know, it's just great to see that support there on the other night, it was, it was brilliant, it was amazing to see that many fans out there, and 
and the noise in the middle of the ground was, was unbelievable from, from both sets of fans, but particularly us. So thanks for your support and thanks to everyone who's been turning up to support the team. Well, I just also wanted to say thank you to you because I know we did have a couple of uh, questions or a few a few comments on our uh, Facebook page this afternoon to say just to pass on the message to you and all the staff and all the players and say thank you for um, what you guys have managed to accomplish so far this season. Obviously, the job's not done, uh, but there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of pride to be restored back in that jersey, and uh, we're maybe somewhere there to do to sort of accomplishing that. So, thank you. No, I appreciate that, and thank you. Just keep our feet on the ground, stay humble, and uh, let's finish this job off. I think that's the message. Us against the world. <laughs> we won't back down. <laughs> Always siege mentality. We got it down pat. Love it. Long may it continue, Alan. Thanks again, mates. We'll uh, we'll catch up again with you soon. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dutch. Thank thanks, you. thanks, Dutch. Love you too. Love you. Looking ahead to uh, other Central Coast Mariners and Central Coast football things. Um, first and foremost, a, a quick thank you to um, to everyone that's donated in the last week or two uh, on the Central Coast Mariners or the Coast Football Ramble podcast. Uh, GoFundMe, I should say. Um, we've had Paul Hunt, Narelle Ryan, Andrew Lerway, Tyson Scott, Kay Tyson, and uh, and Lee Cooper as well. Um, you guys are incredible. Thank you to, to everyone that Thanks we mentioned guys. last Legends. week as well. Um, we're hoping to get our hands on some new equipment maybe next week. So um, that's just an incredible help, and you guys are absolutely amazing. We can almost buy the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> this could be our last recording with this Gibbs. Should we... Should we should <laughs> Should we take a photo of the current setup and then compare it to when we get all our new gear and see what the difference is like? No, I just want to set it on fire. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm almost on fire, buddy, every week with these headphones. I feel like I'm going to get electrocuted. There's, Look, there's there's a wire. The wire's on fire. We've time. been talking about them for a while. I think we need to post a pic on our socials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course it's actually he, poking you in the face now. That's yeah. concerning. I fear for my life yeah, every time I, I come here. I think yeah. we should be concerned for your safety. <laughs> Legitimately, <laughs> if I was is you, I'd there an electrocution yeah. issue there? Yeah, electrocution. I think that's a potential. Yeah, don't send the uh, the work health and safety inspector through here because we would all get in a bit of strife. I will die for this pod. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubting your commitment, that's for sure. Of course, uh, our academy guys went down to uh, Macquarie Park on Saturday evening uh, to take on Spirit FC. It was a top-of-the-table clash. Uh, unfortunately, went down 3-0 in that one. Um, just never really at the races and... Um, a few early chances, but Spirit just ran over the top of us in the second half. So that was a little bit of a frustrating one, but uh, they bounced back very quickly with an impressive 5-1 win last night or Wednesday night over Blacktown Spartans. It was goals to uh, Gideon Arrock, Jordan Smiley, Harry McCarthy, Damian Sikenis and Jing Reek uh, got us a vital three points as we uh, keep going on our march towards promotion to MPL 1. Good little bounce back. Not bad, and uh, Luke, we were just saying off mic that this one finished pretty late. Uh, it was about five past eleven um, at night by the time this one got done with. Late midnight, uh, late midweek footy. That's all right. I think uh, there was an injury to one of the Blacktown players, so yeah, hopefully he's okay. But yeah, yeah, best wishes to to the Spartans there. They were waiting for an ambulance for for a couple of hours there in the end. So 
Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully it wasn't right. serious. <laughs> Spirit is going to be strong this season, aren't they? They they also did us in the twenties. Yeah, two one in the twenties. They're top of the table um, in first grade, and uh, I think I said it last week. They are my tip for the for the premiership. There, mm. uh, David Perkovich, who coaches down there, has got his side really really well drilled, and um, I'm surprised they didn't make the grand final last year. They fell uh, in the semi-finals to Northern Tigers after extra time. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go on and win it this year. Of course, the next game for the Academy is uh, down at Lily Home Stadium as we take on Hills United. Uh, that's Saturday, 7pm, first grade kickoff there. Looking to Central Coast United, uh, on Saturday afternoon they went down, unfortunately, as well to uh, to Bankstown City. That was 3-2 and a bit of a seesawing contest. We lost it late. I think Bankstown got a penalty in the last five minutes. So... Um, the boys, I think, are still sitting in fifth on the table there, so uh, still a pretty good shot for promotion. I think the top eight go up from MPL three up to MPL two this season. Central Coast teams um, taking L's. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not used to it this fact, season. Didn't our girls also um, suffer a loss? I think they may have gone down two one. Not good to see, but uh, of course United will have the chance to uh, bounce back this week. They're down at Jensen Park yet again as they take on the other Bankstown, Bankstown United. Um, I think this is in fact the side that we beat 11-0 at Plume last season, Bankstown United. So it's one of them. I don't know. There's like five Bankstown. The match fixing so. game. So we're going for twelve. <laughs> we're going for twelve on Saturday night. Then you'd love to see it. And uh, the FFA Cup draw was done yesterday as well. Um, Central Coast United drew Marconi in the cup. Magic of the cup. Ooh. Easy chance for scenes here. Um, we actually drew them as a home fixture, but it looks like it's been shifted down to the Palace at Marconi Stadium there. That one's going to be on Wednesday night. Time to be confirmed. Um, but if you can't get down there, the stream team from Live Local Sports Central Coast will be bringing you all the action for that one. Myself, Les Hornery, and Mike Curran heading down for that one. Shameless plug. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, it will be streamed. I'm just, um, I'm just excited to be commentating Central Coast United again. FFA Cup. I've been all, yeah, FFA Cup, no less. Not yeah, bad. I've been all over the shot doing MPL one, two, and, and women and stuff this year. So, um, FFA Cup's going to be, uh, going to be cool. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble podcast. Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. It is that time of the show where we get to uh, your questions. Thank you all, of course, so much for submitting your questions across Facebook, Instagram and Twitter um, and the CCMfans.net forum as well. Firstly, this week, Dave Bloom with a a quality would you rather. Dave asks, would you rather randomly time travel forward or back 20 years every time you fart or teleport to a different place on earth, on land, not water, every time you sneeze? I haven't even had time to think about this one. I well, I'll start because I've thought about it. I, I <laughs> you thought about it, did you? <laughs> I read it earlier and after I stopped shaking my head, yes, Dave, I was shaking my head, then, <laughs> then I decided that I have far more control of the former and less of the latter, so therefore I'll stick with the farts. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about this now. I um, occasionally have a have a decent sneezing fit where I'll go through, you know, seven, eight or nine sneezes back to back sort of thing. So that would be actually That'd super be amusing. I'll go like L- London, Rome, Antarctica. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a sneezing fart then. <laughs> I'm sure what happens then. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 20-year 20, 20 teleport to England. Teleport to Mars or something. 
<laughs> well, I'm in a similar boat except at the other end. So I'm going to be going backwards and forwards like from this year to like <laughs> 1850 and then like 1950 and just flying all over the joint. So I'm going to go with a sneeze I though because I think you, you, can, you can easily yeah. get back to a place on earth but you can't easily get back to a time on earth. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going the sneeze. I like travelling so I'll go the sneeze too. Yeah, that's it. Given all the travel restrictions, I'll take a sneeze travel. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's it. You know, you just give yourself like if you want to go overseas, you give yourself a little feather tickle. Yeah, and, look up uh, at the sun or something. Hey, I'm yeah. in Barcelona. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel like Harry Potter um, writers could have used Dave Bloom for that one. They they would have made it, they surely would have made a curse for you know like a spell or something for um, sneezing and you go to a different place. Oh, I think I just went back twenty years. <laughs> He's lost it. Oh, that was good. His head's gone. All right. Ian Johnson, can the Mariners win the Asian Champions League next year? Yep. Yeah, why not? Next. Yes. <laughs> I I just I would just love to go overseas to an ACL game. That would be awesome. I know it's happened before, but yes. I was too young when it happened. But now that I am old enough and can probably afford to go over, I would love to do a Japan trip. That's been on the list for ages for me. What about you guys? Uh, two words. Thailand away. Oh, and Farkin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's hope it's not disease-ridden and we've got a chance of doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. True. Uh, SW6 in 2250 on Twitter asks, uh, can you ask Central Coast Football why the Central Coast United Cup game had to be moved down to Marconi? <laughs> well, there's another sentence there if you want to read it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just expresses a bit of displeasure with Central Coast Football. So, um, oh, look, I'm not... 100% sure of the motives behind it. Maybe we see if we can get um, get an answer from Matty Crowell or someone over the next few days and find out uh, find out what's going on there. Would it be a light issue? I don't think so because it's not technically being televised. It's only being streamed on behalf of Central Coast United. So okay. if it was being televised by Fox or, or someone like, like that, um, then, yeah, it'd probably be a lighting issue. But, yeah, I don't think Fox have the rights to, um, to these preliminary rounds, yeah. so... Looks more like a circus issue. Clownery. <laughs> well done. Could be. Uh, um, I got one here from Twitter, which I think may have been for Stadge, but I think we can probably speak about it anyway. Um, is it time to give Koala a start to see what he can do? Last game, he really didn't have enough time to get involved. Um, plus, it's good for his development, which I guess sort of leads into some of the things that are out in the media at the moment, which we haven't really spoken about yet. But... Um, I mean, yeah, I would love for him to start because I think he's obviously made a massive impact off the bench, uh, not in all games, but in a lot of games. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him start to see what he looks like up against a fresh team, not sort of a tiring defence, mm. and see if he can have the same impact on a game. Because um, for, for, for me, I it, it looks like he'll stay to the end of the season and then go over to... Germany um, I would love to see him stay at least another half a season just from a selfish sort of a perspective and I'd love to see him probably bang in a few more goals and get some consistent starts and do it that way because we've seen it a lot with um, some of these young guys that go overseas and uh, don't really crack it when they they've they sort of come into the A-League really hot and then they go overseas and then we never hear from him. not that I don't not that I think that will happen with him but I'd love to see him just maybe uh, get some consistent starts and have the same sort of an impact 
before he goes, but I don't think that'll happen. It's been touched on before, so it's probably going to be a how, but is there like an option of him coming back on loan for one more season and then going back full-time, or is that going to be off the table? Is it just going to be a straight buy? Depends on depends on the club, I guess, yeah. wherever he ends up going, if it is Stuttgart or if it's somewhere else. Um, you know, whether they want to keep him at close quarters and play him in their reserves team or, or send him out on loan um, to another side and, and yeah. keep a, a closer eye on him. Um, obviously, we did have that um, option when, when Musti went to Dortmund and they, they um, loaned him back to us for a season. But, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. The deal's not done. Nothing's set in stone. So um, we'll just wait and see how it plays out. It's all just media speculation, so we don't really know anything more than what's been reported in the media. So yeah, but you just like hope we just got to wait, give it time, and see what happens. You just hope that uh, the club, because this has all come together pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, I just hope that the club's been able to fit in there and do some decent business, and I suspect we have. Mm. And uh, so you know, it's always sad when uh, a really potentially starring player like this um, potentially leaves, but. You can't get in the road of these kids, and uh, if it's a club like Stuttgart, reading about them a little bit seems that they're likely club. to want to keep him to for to development it. purposes and developing themselves. Yep. They're that kind of club. Yep. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back here on a loan, but um, yeah, as long as we've done some good business on this, then then we can't look too unhappily about it. Well, we've always said we're a selling club, so we're not going get to get in his way and say you have to stay, so... You know, if it's the right deal and if it works out well, I think you've you've just got to let him go. We're never going to stand in the way of anyone that wants to further their career. I mean, it's the dream of every single young player to go and to go and play in Europe. Yep. Um, there's few and far between the players that are going to, you know, play out their entire career in the A-League. Um, he's got the talent uh, to go over there and make it. So, um, yeah. you know, if and when it happens, you know, it's, it's bittersweet, of course. You know, I want him to stay for another year or two, but... Yep. Um, you know, good luck to him and you know we'll be following that um, with great interest yeah like you said Moz you just have to hope which I think we will do the smart business do all the sell-on clauses do all that sort of stuff and oh I have no doubt we're that, good to yeah, go we're yeah. good to go for the future so their their reserve team plays in the fourth tier yep. so I mean obviously I don't watch the German fourth tier every weekend or the third <laughs> tier or the second tier or the Bundesliga but you would have to imagine it's probably a league level-ish maybe a bit below um I'm not really sure, but I, I dare say that's where he'll end up for a while and they'll watch him quite closely. So. Also, the facilities, though, that Stuttgart can that's offer, right. the coaching, yeah. the, the coaching, kinds yeah. of technical stuff that they can support him with. He'll and be, maybe I, I assume he'll be in and around the first team a bit. Yeah, Stuttgart um, are a stepping stone club as well. There's been a lot of players that have started at Stuttgart and gone on to big clubs, so I think it's it's a really good club for him to go to. Yeah, and a, ki- and a club like that, you know, it has to be a life-changing thing, so, yeah. you know, financially, yeah. so... I think any move over over that sort yeah. of way is, is probably a life-changing thing, especially for a kid that was playing MPL 3 or MPL 2 down in Victoria just 18 months ago, yeah. you know, incredible story. Reminds me of Matty Ryan in some respects, though, he's got such a good, um, you know, low-key head about him, like just mm. wandering around there talking to the crowd on Tuesday night after the game, he's just such a casual young fella mm. um, no chip on his shoulder at all mm. that you can see from over the fence and um, I think he can go far he's got a great head on his shoulders yeah absolutely I think um, the sky's the limit for him put that, put that sell on clause in there I think um, yeah. the, the scary thing is you know, even he doesn't realise how good he could potentially be no probably no. not and uh, there, was, there was also the rumour about Niz 
I was just about uh, to bring that in up. one of the articles that also come out. Yeah, which D- Dave Lewis. Might, was there yeah, anything in that? I think. I mean, <laughs> I it think if he's is. got interest, then great, awesome. But I, I feel like there might be a little. I don't know. Do we know if they have the same agent? Niz and Alo. Don't know. I'm not sure who Niz's agent is. Um, but there might be a bit of agent beat up there maybe to drive some interest or to drive the price up a little bit so yeah i mean it's it's dave lewis and we know his reputation so correct <laughs> correct especially when the last line in the article is the mariners, mariners were, were contacted, contacted for, for comment, comment. <laughs> so he's got nothing from the club so wherever he's got it from is come from outside and i assume it's not going to be from niz i'm going to assume it's from his agent so. well that, that that mariners were contacted for comment to all ties back to when he wrote that beat up article about Abdul Hello yeah. taking over the club mm. Hello, he, didn't, yeah, yeah. he didn't bother reaching out to the club for comment then so Correct. Uh, yeah. why now <laughs> but all the best to them both and I, I really hope there is interest in them both and they get some deals because that's what the academy's there for that's, sure what, that's gonna, what we should be about I'm so. probably going to cry when Niz leaves but he's going to fully deserve so. wherever he goes mm. it's a long way from Woolies from where he was last year yeah. <laughs> before do you think he's going to keep stacking shelves when he does get an overseas move? Go work at a Tesco or something? He, <laughs> seems, like that, he seems like that kind of guy, so it would not surprise me. <laughs> he's got spare time. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll get bored. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. I love you, no homo. One other thing that um, I sort of raised on Twitter, and I've seen a few other people raise on Twitter um, over the last week or so, is it really, really fucking grinds my gears. Um, Andy Harper and his insistence on calling Josh Nisbet the work experience kid. Just fucking disrespectful. Where where has it even come from? Yeah, why, that's what why, I know. Why is it... Is it a... Just because he's short? Is that what it is? It's like, just because shit. It's shit banter. It is shit chat. It's not even the youngest person on the pitch. Like, Nader was on the pitch against the Wanderers and he's 18. Nizzy's 21. Yeah. So, is it just because he's short is why he's doing that? Or I'm, I'm just... I don't yeah. even get it. Like, it's not even witty. Like, call him, like, I think he, he referenced it last week. He called him the pocket rocket. That's fine. That's fine. That's good. But the, that, the, the Fox Sports commentary this season has just been absolute garbage. There's only been a couple of good things, which is which is probably Ben Homer. Russ Gibbs. Uh, Russ Gibbs. And there's the other, other fella. That was another on fella. The, yeah. yeah uh, two English guys. Chipperfield. Robin, um, yeah. Robin Chipperfield. Robin Chipperfield, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. He, I mean, he's got 20 years of experience from um, broadcasting for the BBC over in yeah. the UK. So. I'm all over that. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'd much rather listen to those three call a game because there's no shit. Like, when you listen to Buddy Brenton Speed, there's just... And he's just painful to listen to. Obviously, mm. I was referencing, like, Speed, Slater, Harper, yeah. all the usual ones Bosnich. that have been around for too long. And Bosnich gets some praise for his, like, hosting and all this sort of stuff, but I cringe every time he's on the mic. I'm sorry. He's probably gotten better, um, in all fairness to him, over the last few weeks. He's tried to... I guess maybe be a little bit more professional yeah. um, and he's definitely showing more professionalism than people like Harper um, yeah. throwing yeah, the work experience kit fuck off yeah. and to be honest lots of people don't like Slater I actually don't mind Slater oh, I'm not a fan <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind him whisper it whisper it but I don't mind just, yeah, just as long he, as we, we put Brenton Speed on the top of the crap heap because he's yeah. Yeah, the Slater, worst Slater's, um, Slater's Twitter game is just it's next level next level if, you, yeah, if you're listening and you ever get the chance you've got a spare 17 hours and um, go and troll back through um, yeah loves to bite back timeline yeah. loves to bite on <laughs> troll tweets I'd scroll Brenton's but he blocked me so yeah Slater blocked he me blocks everyone. But, uh, you know it's a good thing I've still got control of the Coast Football Ramble Twitter account True. he hasn't blocked me there yet so True. <laughs> he might after this 
<laughs> True. But yeah, please stop calling in the work experience, kid. Yeah. And please, Fox Sports, get rid of Archie Thompson for the love of God. Because oh, he is oh, we didn't terrible. even talk about him. Thank Christ we've been seeing less and less of him over the oh, over no, the last no. few weeks. Because um, I can't stand him. Honestly, I put him on mute. He's just fucking atrocious. He's illiterate. How about how good was the... Um, obviously, the City loss sucked, but he... He literally couldn't even like remember our players' names. No, he could. He, he was just praising City during halftime. Yeah, I remember we, it, we and spoke, he just couldn't remember our our, our players' names. Yes. we spoke about this because he was obviously in the comms box with uh, with Zappers, and he insisted on calling Birigetti uh, Mark Bigetti uh, or Mark Birigetti, and uh, Jordan Casella was another it's one. It's funny when he backs himself into a corner and he realises he has to try and say a player's name and he literally can't remember who it is. That's great. That's uh, great. Dear. Yeah, can so you, can you imagine that happening in like in a European league? Like an analyst actually doesn't know what players' names are? Like it's just unprofessional and unprofessional BS that this league, the league deserves better. It deserves better coverage. Yeah, I mean the lack of investment from Fox this, this season is, uh, is pretty telling all over the place. So um, I think the introduction of, you know, quality... Um, commentators like like Russ Gibbs and like Chipperfield is, is probably too little too late and um, be interesting to see what the next broadcast deal brings Save a Stan or yeah. Optus one yeah. of them yeah, one of you you're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast wow are you kidding me that's probably about it uh, from us this week on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, a um, little bit shorter than the last last few weeks, trying to um, keep it short, sharp, punchy. We also need a lozenge between the three of us. Yep, that's it. <coughs> I think it's mostly, yeah, the fact that... Um, mostly for Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Our voices are blowing out here and um, I need to go home and have a, have a couple of cups of tea and uh, maybe seven or eight whiskeys and see if that improves the situation. True. When's our next game? It's not for another week and a bit, so maybe Tassie. let's Launchester let's say, away, Tassie away. Let's say next week off, no pod, because no game. I need to recover. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back in a week and a bit. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you all after Tassie away, Farkin. And, uh, well, until then, it's love ya. See ya. Bye. Which experts have we got there? Uh, so we've got uh, myself, <laughs> uh, we've oh, got we go. Luke, uh, Josh and Aaron Morrow as well. Confirmed there are no Case experts touch. here. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> that makes all of us. <laughs> <laughs>